Welcome to the Quotivation Podcast. Together, we will unlock inspiration, one quote at a time. Your host is America's leading emerging speaker. He is a former semifinalist in the World Championship of Public Speaking and is an expert motivator. Please welcome Jody Powell. Hey there, and welcome to the Quotivation Podcast. I'm Jody Powell, your navigator through the boundless world of inspirational quotes. Each week, a special guest and I will embark on an electrifying journey as we dissect, discuss, and decode those powerhouse quotes that light up our souls and set our ambitions ablaze. So buckle up, folks. This isn't your average podcast. This is the Quotivation Podcast, where every episode is a journey. So like, follow, subscribe, set a reminder, and tell your grandma to stay tuned. And get ready to unlock inspiration, one life-changing quote at a time. Hey everyone, and welcome to the inaugural, the very first episode of the Quotivation Podcast. And I am super excited to share with you these motivational quotes every week from some very special people, some of whom you may know, all of whom you need to know. Ultimately, my goal for you, to win your week. So what does that mean? That means you are able to apply something you heard from this podcast to your daily life. And it helps you do more than just survive your week. It helps you grow, learn, develop, transform. It gives you the inspiration to do something this week that could change your life and the lives of those around you. So let's get motivated. Now, before we get to our special guest this week, We'll start this episode off like we will every episode by taking a shot, a shot of motivation. And this week, our shot of motivation is sponsored by Amy Real from Cross Country Mortgage. Amy is the real deal in all things mortgage. She's been a dear friend of mine for many, many years and is a big fan of the Quotivation podcast. So if you are in need of a first or a second mortgage, maybe a mortgage for that investment property, or maybe you're interested in refinancing, give Amy a call today. Her phone number is area code 864-310-9337. That is 864-310-9337. You can also email her at amy.real, R-E-I-H-L, at ccm.com. Amy Real, the real deal for all things mortgage. And Amy's NMLS number is 486-620. And thank you, Amy, for all of your support. Now let's get to it. A shot of motivation. It's time for a shot of motivation, where the vibe's like taking a shot, but the high is pure inspiration. This is a quick, powerful boost of motivation to fire up your spirit. Get ready for a rapid infusion of uplifting stories, impactful quotes, and game-changing ideas. It's the swift, potent dose you need to amp up your game and win your week. It's a shot of motivation. Stella Adler was an amazing actress, but more than that, she had a passion for teaching acting methodologies, and it was her life's work. 
that was her claim to fame as she was an acting coach for some of the greats like Robert De Niro and Melanie Griffith and uh, Warren Beatty and, and Marlon Brando. In fact, Marlon Brando would say about Stella Adler that she taught me to be real and not to try to act out an emotion I didn't personally experience during a performance, which is an interesting quote coming from Brando. The fact that he was taught not to act out an emotion that he didn't personally experience, an emotion that he could personally draw from, not from something in his past, not remembering your dog died just to, to bring up some tears, but to act out an emotion that you've experienced during the scene, during the performance. That's what you draw from. And this came from Stella Adler's motto that she would tell her students time and time again. She would always say this. It's three simple words, two directives. And I think it can change our lives. These are the three words, the two directives. Don't act. Behave. Don't act. Behave. How many of us are acting like we know what we're doing? How many of us are acting like we know the answers? Because we think that's the expectation people have of us, that we should know everything. How many of us are new time, first time leaders walking into their role fresh or walking into a new leadership role? And you feel like I've got to know all the answers. Well, the fact is that you don't. That's not even what being a leader is. Being a leader is not knowing all the answers. Walking into an organization as their new CEO, you should know everything. You should know how everything functions. You should know everyone. That's so unrealistic. You can't know everything and you shouldn't know everything because that's not in the job description of a CEO. How about in your personal life? How many parents are first-time parents? And, they, and you've read all of the books and you've talked to all of the doctors and you've read all the psychological articles about how to raise children and you come home from the hospital and suddenly everything goes sideways. What do I do? I, I don't know what to do. You don't have to act like you know what to do. Behave. Exhibit the behaviors you want to become. Exhibit the behaviors of a parent that you want to be. Exhibit the behaviors of a leader that you want to be. Now, in order to do that, you have to be curious. You have to ask questions. You have to learn, you have to grow, you have to develop. You can't be expected to know it all. You can't be expected to come in right away and be the guy or the girl. Don't act. Oh, the worst thing that I hear, I, I, I cringe every time I hear someone say this phrase, this, this saying, well, I'll just fake it until I make it. Please don't do that. You can't fake it. People recognize when you're not real. People recognize when you're not authentic. And when you're not authentic, you lose trust. And if you lose trust, whether it's trust from the people you're leading or whether it's trust from your children, whether it's trust of a family member or a friend, whoever it is, when you lose trust, you lose such an important commodity. It's so hard to recover from that. It really is. You cannot fake it until you make it. You shouldn't fake it until you make it. You shouldn't fake it at all. You're not doing anyone any good. 
You're not doing yourself any good. You're not going to learn from that. You're not going to grow. How are you going to be curious? How are you going to ask questions if you're if you think that everyone expects you to know all the answers? If you're pretending to know how things already work, people are looking to you to be the example. And the example that you're setting in that mindset is not to ask questions. You should already know this. And what happens there? People don't know the answer, but they that they're too scared to ask. Is that the kind of behavior you want to be as a leader that you want to dis, that you want to display that you want to exhibit? Instead, the answer is, I, I really don't know. How does that work? Let's explore it. Let's find out. Let's be curious. Let's understand why we do the things that we do, why we have to do certain things a certain way. You ask questions, you learn, you grow and develop. Those are the behaviors that you want to exhibit. Don't act. Don't act like you know. Don't, don't act like you know all the answers. Don't act like you have to be the expert. You don't. It's not what leadership is. It's not what being a parent is. You know, I think as a parent, I think there are two phrases that we that need to be said over and over and over again to our children. Now, one of them I think we can all agree upon. I love you. Telling your children how much you love them consistently over and over, not just saying I love you, but tell them why. I love your heart. I love the fact that you have a heart for animals. I love the fact that, that you have a heart for people in need. I love the fact that you have the heart to want to help your friends. I love the fact that you have such a passion for your hobby. I love the fact that you care so much about me and about our family. Tell your children why you love them. Now, I think we can all agree upon that. The second phrase I think we should use as parents is probably a phrase that is rarely, rarely used. And that phrase is, you know what? I was wrong and I apologize. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is none of us are going to be the perfect parents. We're all going to mess up. You're going to get things wrong. You know, it just amazes me that we expect our children to recognize when they've done something wrong. We expect them to admit when they've done something wrong, and we expect them to apologize for it. And yet we as parents never do so. We never set that behavior. We never show that as a model of how to behave. We have to set the behaviors. We have to, to show our children how things function, how, how behaviors work, and how, how they should not act, but they should behave in certain ways. And that includes going to them saying, you know what? I was wrong. I apologize. I think the same thing can be said for leaders. Being able to go to someone and say, you know what? You're right. I was wrong. I was wrong not to listen to your idea. Give it more credence. We should give it a shot. Let them see where it goes. And if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, we don't have to go back and say, see, I told you so. You go back and say, hey, you know what? It didn't work out. But here's the thing. We learned a lot. We learned a lot that we can apply the next time we try. Let's go develop another plan. Those are the behaviors. Those are the ways that leaders behave. We don't act like we know something is not going to work just because we've tried it in the past or we've tried it in another environment. It didn't work at this organization, so it's not going to work here. That's not necessarily true. Every place is different. Every situation is different. We have to give the people that we lead the leeway to be creative, the leeway to do their job, not only to do their job, but to find ways to do their jobs better. 
Those are behaviors. Acting like we know what's going to happen, acting like we know what's best, acting like we know everything. That's faking it until you make it. That's how you lose trust. Don't act. Behave. That's your shot of motivation for the week. And I hope it helps you to win your week. That shot of motivation was brought to us by Amy Real, the real deal with all things mortgage. Thanks, Amy. This has been a shot of motivation from America's leading emerging speaker, Jody Powell. We hope it helps you win your week. All right, let's get to our guest this week. And our guest is a world champion. Mohammed Katani, a Saudi Arabian engineer, won the Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking. Katani won after several eliminating rounds that took six months with 30,000 participants from more than 100 countries. Now, growing up, he suffered from severe stuttering, but he was able to overcome it by facing his fears and pushing the envelope and performing on stage. He is passionate about public speaking and stand-up comedy. He has participated in several conferences around the world where he inspires people to chase their dreams. Muhammad speaks about several topics such as coping with change, empowerment in the workplace, building the perfect team, the art of negotiation, and of course, using powerful words when speaking. My guest this week, world champion Muhammad Katani. Muhammad, welcome to the Quotivation Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. Mohammed, before we get into your quote, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your background and where you come from. Uh, well, first of all, thank you again for having me. Uh, my name is Mohammed Katani. I was born and raised in Saudi Arabia in a small town on the south side. And um, growing up, I suffered severe stuttering. Uh, I was kind of mocked in school and I was laughed at. And that left me kind of in a shell. I... I didn't have any friends. I couldn't speak to anybody uh, because I decided to just keep my mouth shut. I thought, you know, let's just take the easy way. And uh, just, you know, uh, if you don't speak, you're not going to be wor- like, I mean, like, I mean, like you're going to be beat, like you're not, like you're not going to be beaten or like, ridiculed or, uh, or like, like that. And that was the motto that I uh, kind of lived by in my childhood, which I kind of, uh, just looking back at it now, I kind of just regret it because See, everybody will face some like difficulties. Everybody will come through a crossroad in their lives, and one and when you do that, you will have two options. You have the easy choice, and you'll have the hard choice. And in my case, the hard choice was to you know work, like try to overcome this issue and try to work it out and try to challenge myself and overcome it, or the easy choice is just to keep my mouth shut. And as I said, I chose the easy choice. And the and the and the piece of advice that I want everybody to have is when you come through a crossroad, don't look at the easy choice. I know you'll be tempted to, you know, just take it easy and and just avoid I mean confrontation, avoid challenges, but that's not gonna pay well in the long run. So that was kind of like my childhood until the last year of high school when I started to 
get into public speaking. And there's another story about that. Wow, such a powerful story about overcoming obstacles and challenges that we face and, and choosing the path, right? It's the the road less traveled leads to the greatest reward. And that's a powerful, powerful message right off the bat. Mohammed, I want to jump ahead a little bit from your childhood to 2015, because I take it that's the year that everything changed for you. Everything changed in your speaking career. The year that you won the Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking. Tell us a little bit about that experience. So um, I actually joined Toastmasters in 2010, and I started the competition, I believe, in 2011. And the first time I competed, I, because the competition goes through several like levels. You compete at the club level and then the area and so on and so on until you reach into the finals. And uh, when I competed for the, very, for the very first time, I lost on the first round. And I didn't take it really well. Like uh, I'm kind of a sore loser, you could say. But uh, a friend of mine told me that if what you're looking for is, is a trophy, a piece of glass, then you're here for the wrong reason. Hmm. And that's actually applies to everybody. See, we we chase we chase money, we chase fame, we chase power, we chase position. But it shouldn't be the one that we chase. The all of these stuff are just keys. Keys that will open doors for us to to make a change in somebody else's life. So he said, you know, every time you enter the competition, I want you to do it with, with the intention that you have a platform and you have an audience waiting. Just try to give them a message that, you know, might change their life to the best. And, and I took that model with me in, in the competition. And, and that's why, like, on 2015, when I took the stage, like, that was actually the first time I ever made it to the finals. And uh, when I took the stage, I honestly, honestly believed that or I honestly did not care whether I win or lose. I said to myself, I have a chance to speak to thousands of people. Uh, what would be the message that I want to leave the world with? Mm. And I, I, and I always say, when you speak from the heart, you will reach the heart. Your audience can tell whether you're just there for your own agenda or whether you're there because you care. And uh, uh, thankfully, I was able to win the championship. Well, deservedly so. If if you haven't seen Mohammed's World Championship speech from 2015, I'm going to point you to his website. Go to katanispeaks.com. Go to the top tab that says video. Scroll down about four or five lines, and you'll see it there. 2015 World Championship speech. It is phenomenal, Mohammed. I I used this introduction this this idea of of hooking the audience right off the bat to to get people engaged and want to hear more from you every time i do a public speaking class i use your video to show the perfect example of how to hook an audience how to get them engaged you used props you used a cigarette you were lighting a cigarette to begin the speech and i'm telling you folks if that doesn't drive you to his website to watch the video. I don't know what will. It is an incredible speech, but it's even more incredible the way that you were able to introduce that speech. Tell me a little bit about that. How did you come up with that? That was so creative. <laughs> well, uh, that was kind of a, okay. That's a funny story because um, uh, when I went to the competition, 
or like a week or two weeks before I went to the competition, I I was just jogging my mind trying to come up with a, with an idea for a speech that I would give. And whatever I wrote down, I didn't think it's good enough or I didn't think it was strong enough. Then one day, uh, me and a friend of mine were, were outside our work and we were smoking. And then this old gentleman passed by and he looked at us and he said, guys, I mean, I mean, just come on, like you're still young. I mean, why? Why are you hurting your body like this? Whatever. And I kind of felt ashamed and I was about to throw the cigarette away. But then my friend looked at him and said, uh, actually, sir, that's not true. There is not a single medical research that proves there's a link between smoking and lung disease or heart disease or any of that stuff. And the old guy asked, yeah, but it's written on your packet. It's written on it that, you know, like it caused cancer, whatever. And my friend looked at him and he said, do you know how much money the, the tobacco company make? If, if, if the politician did not restrict that, those tobacco companies will rule the world. This is all just a propaganda. And the old man said, wow, I didn't know that. Thank you, guys. And then he walked away. I looked at my friend in shock because I believed it too. And I said, this is new information to me too. And he looked at me and he said, man, I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> but what struck me is the way that he spoke with confidence and, and conviction that I asked myself if this guy could convince a person that smoking, which we all know, is not good for you. And he was able to convince him otherwise just by using words. What else that you can do? And that kind of a, like a light bulb just, I mean, just listen like I'm on the top of my head, because if we if we watch everything that's going on in this world, uh, all the politics and all the wars and all of that stuff, people sometimes they blindly believe someone who's in power just because of the way that he speaks. Sure. He makes him he, like he makes it or she makes it sound so convincing that you blindly follow. And we wonder how come some people believe in things that doesn't make any sense. It's like, it literally defy common sense. Why? Because they've been listening to a person who's using his word very well, that he just penetrated your mind and made you just believe whatever they wanted to believe. So I decided that will be the idea for the speech I wanted to give. Well, it was a wonderful speech. And as I said, every time I use it in my class for public speaking to, to, talk about the power of an introduction. I'll stop it just before you mention how words can take you to the highest of highs or, or tear you down to the lowest of lows. I'll stop it right there. And inevitably, there is at least one student, usually multiple students that will say, no, 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 don't stop. I want to hear more. And I want to hear more. And I'm like, yes, you do. That's why it's a powerful introduction. That's why it's great. You're hooked. You want to hear more. So fantastic idea fantastic speech well executed obviously because you are world champion of public speaking so muhammad i wanted to transition now into our quote for the week and this is where we have the opportunity to influence the audience to give them something to what i like to say win their week i want everyone to be able to win their week give them something that's going to allow them to be motivated to do to do just a little bit more something that helps them stand out, something that helps them win their week in a way that they wouldn't have been able to do so otherwise. So I'm anxious to hear, 
Tell me what powerful quote you have to share with us and a little bit of the backstory as to why that quote is powerful for you. So the quote is actually a quote that my grandmother used to say to me. And uh, she used to say, fun, be like the rain. Mm. It come down in, in minutes, but it leaves people talking about it for days. See, I came from Saudi Arabia where we don't get much rain so it's like it rarely happens but when it happens it's like a happy occasion and we speak about it for like days after that but when the rain comes down it only comes down for five ten minutes 20 minutes and then it stops so the meaning of the codes that my grandmother used to say is the rain even though it comes in few like minutes it makes such an impact that people keep talking about it for a very long time and what does that mean is don't like don't overstay your welcome. You don't want people to think that you're boring. When you are around company, just make it quick. Just give them something that they will talk about you for days and then just leave. Hmm. There are people who just, you know, stick around longer than they should have. And it loses the momentum or it loses the value of whatever they're about to actually just give. And I and I Truly take that code to heart. I uh, uh, I try like w- with the little time that I spend with people, I want it to be like meaningful. And I try as much as possible to either do something to cheer them up or to uplift them or you know to make their life a little bit like better. There is nothing worse than sitting with a person who is always negative, who is always thinking that things are not going to go well, who is always just complaining. Uh, you might you might just brush it off, but like this is like a toxic like behavior because yeah. when you're around people who just look at the entire world with a negative view, it starts to affect you too. You start to look at your own life, even though you might have some amazing things going on with you, but you don't see that anymore. You only see the negative stuff that's happening. Hmm. So yeah, that's the quote. Be be like the rain. You come down in a few minutes, but let people talk about it for a very long time. That's so uh, insightful. That, yeah. Uh, that quote also reminds me of another quote. I forgot who actually said it. It says, people will forget who you are. They will forget what you said, but they never forget how you made them feel. Oh, it's it's so, so true. You talk about the people that are so negative, so negative around us and how infectious that really is. I, I call them suckers. They suck the joy and they suck the motivation. They suck all the all the positivity out of you and replace it with what they're spewing, which is negativity and, and self-pity. Um, I, I try my best to avoid suckers. I think we've all worked with or or have family members or friends who are just those individuals that just suck the very life out of your soul. Uh, I love what you said right there at the end, though. You talked about how People will forget what you said. People will forget who you are, but they will not forget how you made them feel. It it reminds me of a story. I believe it was John Maxwell that that told the story. This is where I first heard the story. Uh, the story of Winston Churchill's mother, Jenny Jerome, or Lady Randolph Churchill. And she was a socialite. She was involved in politics. She was involved in the social scene at the time, uh, thought of very highly, her opinions uh, carried a lot of weight. And there were two bitter rival politicians. One was the prime minister, Benjamin Disraeli, the other, uh, a rival of the other party, William Gladstone. 
And she had the opportunity to have dinner with each of these competing rival politicians on consecutive nights. And she was asked afterwards what her opinion was of each of these individuals. And she said this, she said, well, when I dined with Mr. Gladstone, I felt like he was the most important man in England. But when I dined with, with Prime Minister Disraeli, I felt like I was the most important woman in England. And so it's all about how you make people feel. Like you said, it's not about what you say or what you do. It's how you make people feel. And that's what's powerful. So Muhammad, when you are speaking, when you're, when you're in a co- at a conference or when you're on the stage, how do you take that with you and make people feel a certain way that they're, they're going to remember you for years to come? Well, usually when I speak, I, uh, and, and that's also an advice for any speaker who wants to attempt you know, being a motivational speaker. Nobody wants to hear about what you have accomplished. Nobody wants to hear about what you have done because the attention is never on you as a speaker. The attention should be on the, I'm, I'm like on the audience. I share struggles, you know, like the normal struggles that people go through. And when you speak and you share on the stage how you failed, you share how you, you know, flunked school, for example, or how you, had a terrible breakup and when you share this stuff people in the audience start to think wait a minute i have the same thing too so they start to be like hopeful because they look at you and say well if this guy can make it then i probably can make it too um nobody likes a person who brags about what they have accomplished or or, oh just look at me and learn from me no i share my screw-ups i share the things that went wrong and how did it affect me I also share how I surround myself. And that's one of the things I kind of pride myself on. Like, uh, like I am a man of so many flaws, but one thing that I do well is I surround myself with people who push me there. I always think that you or, or like any person is always the result of who you surround yourself with. Mm. Uh, you, you can have people who grow up in the same environment, uh, same outcome, same everything, but because one of them was around good people, he ended up having a good life, and one of them about was hanging out like around people. I mean, like bad people might end up in the wrong path. So I try not to speak too long. I try to keep it short. As I said, just be like the rain. But I like in the in the short amount of time that I speak, I try to give the best that I can. That's uh, that that's really interesting. Keeping it keeping it kind of short and sweet, so to speak, um, which means something. It means that you have to utilize your time wisely, right? And so if you're speaking for a short amount of time, you have to be sure that the time that you speak is impactful, that you've made an impression. Otherwise, you're kind of breezing in like the wind instead of pouring down like the rain. And you will have made no impression and people will not remember what you said, who you were, or that you're even there. So how do you use that finite amount of time to make a powerful impression that people will talk about for days, weeks, months, years to come? Well, uh, as a speaker, you should always use the, the art of telling a story. The audience, they don't want to hear something abstract. They don't want to hear, they're tired of hearing people who say, you know, 
aim to the moon and you will reach the stars or, you know, there is no limit to whatever you can say. All right, fine. Yeah, I've heard that so many times, but the question is how? That's what a lot of speakers fails to tell you. How? So you, so you, now you're asking me to, to aim high and take risks and embrace failure, but how? And that's why, because I come from an engineering background, I always give like practical stuff that people actually do. Like I tell people things that they can actually change in their daily lives. Uh, how can you like replace an old habit with a new habit, for example? Uh, how can you, when you, I mean, how can you sense when you're around people who are like negative and what should you do when that happens? So I give you steps that you can actually go outside that hole and start implementing right away, rather than just giving you an, an abstract like image of, you know, what the future just could be like. And uh, I try not to, like I, I mean, like I don't speak for more than for I mean, like, for like more than an hour at a time, because from an I mean, like from experience, humans they have a short attention span, and the longer you speak, the more that they're gonna be bored. So I always try to condense as much as I can in this in this small amount of time. And while I'm speaking, I'm always looking at my audience, and if I sense that they started to get bored or now they are on their mobile, then I think, okay, maybe I should just do something different, tell a joke, make them laugh, whatever, just to get the attention back on me and give them what I want to get. That's so good. So be like the rain. You know, I think about, and you mentioned being from Saudi Arabia, the, the rain is celebrated. It, it doesn't happen yeah. often. Uh, here in, in the States, you know, we're complaining because the rain has forced <laughs> us not to be able to play golf today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but 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 it's so it's so ironic because the rain is nourishing. It it provides fuel for things to grow, for for things to live. It's it's life-giving. It, it's so interesting. I know you I'm sure you've had the experience many times after a, a speech or after a keynote, an audience member will come to you and, and will say something like, You you've changed my life. You've, yeah. you've changed the way I think about things. You've given me, and, and, and what I always, I've, I've had this happen a few times and it's, it's, it's always so exhilarating to have that feedback. But what I always say is I didn't do anything. I, I, I simply poured into you and you found what was already there. And, and so when you say be like the rain, that, that just, that feels like, uh, just being that individual that pours the fuel, the, the, the life giving nutrients that are needed for people to realize uh, this is what I need to grow. And this is what I need to yeah. evolve and, and, and to move forward. And so I think that's a, that's an incredibly, incredibly powerful quote. So talking about practical applications, you want to give people something practical with, with your engineering background, tell our audience Practically, maybe there's someone out there today that is that is listening to this, struggling to understand how they're going to get through their work week. They're struggling to to uh, find their their drive, their motivation. How can they be like the rain? Uh, so the concept of being like the rain is uh, it, it like it heavily relies on scarcity. Meaning, uh, if I recall what you just 
said earlier that you know you don't like the rain because it stopped you from playing golf today. And uh, imagine if you're getting rain all the time, even though it's nurturing, even though you know the planet needs it. But because you get it all the time, you started to 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 just kind of hate it, right? Like you started to think, uh, okay, like I really want to see the sun. That's why the rain for us is is so valuable because we rarely have it. Mm-hmm. So like when it comes, it's like wow. So the same thing could also apply to work that if you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, and you're slipping into a routine, it's very it's very like dangerous when you're slipping into like a routine because what would like what would motivate you to wake up in the morning if you know that you're just gonna do the same thing that you did yesterday and the day before and the week before and the month before. <clears throat> Find a creative way to do like your job. Now, a lot of people might think, "Well, my job doesn't even have that room for 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 like creativity." Yes, it does. You just never really like look. I mean, you, I mean, like you just never really just looked at it. Uh, like a lot of people, the only reason they are in their job is because you know, at least it's a paycheck. You know, it pays the bills, it pays my debts. So it's like. It's like you working for someone who's, I mean, who's holding you hostage. You will do the job just because you need to, but not just because you want to. So when you find something creative that you can do to make, either make your job easier or make it even more fun, or it's not just for you to to improve something for the workplace because you, I mean, because you might think, well, how is that going to help me? It's going to help my boss, but it's not going to help me. It will help you because you feel like you you are not replaceable when you're doing a meaning like i mean like if you're doing like a routine job there's a a thought in your mind all the time there's what if one day i could be replaced what if somebody who can do my job with half of what i'm getting right now of course they're gonna fire me and they're gonna hire the like new guy but when you become creative you create the sense of of scarcity that they need you more than you need them. And I promise you, because I know like this sounds like really theoretical, whatever, but I promise you when you do that, every morning when you wake up, you will wake up before the alarm because your body is already excited to what they're going to do today. And that is why he is the world champion of public speaking. Mohammed Katani, thank you so much for being on the Quotivation podcast with your powerful quote, be like the rain. And thank you to your grandmother as well, who must have been an incredibly wise woman to bestow upon you that those powerful words of wisdom. Thank you for joining us, Muhammad. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right, that was world champion of public speaking, Muhammad Katani. If you want to hear more from Muhammad, go to his website, Katani Speaks. Dot com. That's Q-A-H-T-A-N-I, KatanySpeaks.com. You can see plenty of videos where Muhammad talks about many of the things that we talked about here today, and uh, you can find motivation and inspiration in his wise words. Thank you, Muhammad, for being on the Quotivation Podcast. All right. It is time for a little bit of dessert right here on the Quotivation Podcast. It is time for... The last slice of cheesecake. Now, what the heck is the last slice of cheesecake? <laughs> well, let me tell you. 
I am a diehard fan of the Golden Girls. Greatest television show ever created. And the Golden Girls would always solve all of their problems. They would have all of these epiphanies sitting around the dinner table eating cheesecake. So we're going to have some dessert right now, right here on the Quotivation Podcast. Every week, we're going to have the last slice of cheesecake. Let's get to it. How about some dessert before you go? There isn't anything that can't be solved over a slice of cheesecake. So before we wrap things up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the last slice of cheesecake. What a fabulous quote from Muhammad and some takeaways that I got from our conversation I think I took away five. I think I took away a lot more than that, but I'm only going to get five because we'd be here all day if I could give all the takeaways that I have from that conversation. But first of all, to understand that he went from a quiet stutterer to a world champion of public speaking. What an incredible story. What an incredible feat to overcome and to persevere. Muhammad talked about regretting remaining silent for so long. Now, we all reach crossroads in our lives. And a lot of times at those crossroads, there is an easy choice. And there's a hard choice. The road often taken and the road less traveled. The road less traveled typically yields the greater reward. We shouldn't take a highway just because it's a highway. Sometimes the scenic route is the best way to get to where we want to be. And it's the most rewarding. And that's what Muhammad talked about. Finding the way to take the road less traveled, which will yield a greater reward. He also talked about when he was competing that he was a sore loser. When he first lost in his first competition. And he was challenged by a friend that said, if you're in this for a trophy, then you're here for the wrong reasons. And ultimately, what, what came from that is a realization that we shouldn't chase fame or power or money. But when we do gain those things, they're simply tools that we can use to enrich someone's life. We can deliver a message that could change someone's path. So we're not in it for the things that we should gain. And I think the same can be true said the, th the same thing can be true for your career. If we're chasing the dollar, if we're chasing the status, if we're chasing the title, we're chasing things that can easily be changed, taken away, reduced. But when we chase things like fulfillment, when we chase things like accomplishment, success, when we chase things of uh, like goals that we want to achieve, personal goals, things that we want to gain. When we chase things like education, learning, growing, developing, those are the things that can't be taken away. You can lose your job. You can lose your title. You can lose your paycheck. You can lose your status. What can't be taken away from you is what you learned on your journey. What can't be taken away from you is who you impacted on your journey. So chase the right things. 
Now, Muhammad gave us the quote, be like the rain. It comes down in minutes, but people talk about it for days. For a lot of us, that's hard to understand. A lot of us get a lot of rain. But in Saudi Arabia, the rain is rare. It doesn't happen very often. And when it does, it doesn't happen for very long. It's there for a few minutes. And people talk about it for days. So out of that, Muhammad said, don't overstay your welcome. Make it meaningful. Find ways to lift people up. Spread joy and optimism. Nobody wants to hear what you've accomplished. No one wants to hear um, what you've done. I can't tell you how many times I've met leaders, senior leaders, executives even. But the first thing they do is they go through their resume with you. They try to establish some credibility because they've done this and they've done that. That's not establishing credibility. Credibility is gained through actions, through behaviors. You want to earn my trust well, it's not going to be by showing me your trophies. People don't want to hear what you've accomplished. Share your struggles. Share your failures. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. Connect with the people around you. Allow them to see that, wow, they face some of the same things that I'm facing. And if they were able to overcome, then maybe I can too. And maybe they will actually show me and give me advice on how to do that whether it's people you lead, peers that are around you, even, even the people you work for, allow yourself to be vulnerable and surround yourself with the people that push you. And finally, Muhammad said, being like the rain is about scarcity. If you get rain all the time, even if it's nurturing, even if it's life-giving, you begin to hate it. The same thing applies to your work. If you do the same thing over and over and over again, it's hard to find motivation. And some of us have jobs where we're doing the same thing over and over and over again. So how do you find that motivation? You have to find the creativity. You have to find ways to do your job more creatively. You have to find ways to do it more efficiently. You have to create those opportunities within your job to accomplish things, to strive for things. You made 50 widgets yesterday, make 55 today. That's the challenge. All jobs have room for creativity. And when you're able to be creative, when you're able to do it differently, when you're able to strive for something more, it gives you joy, it brings you fulfillment, and it'll motivate you to go out and do your very best. Instead of waiting for five o'clock on Friday, you'll be surprised. Hey, it's time to go home. Wow, the day went by fast. I got a lot done today. That's a pretty good feeling. Be like the rain. Comes down in minutes. People talk about it for days. That was your last slice of cheesecake. And that's all the time we have for the Quotivation Podcast. I want to thank my guest, Muhammad Katani, for joining us today. I want to thank Amy Real for sponsoring our Shot of Motivation. But most of all, I want to thank you for listening. And I hope you have found something today in this episode that's going to help you win your week. Until next time. Stay motivated. You have been listening to the Quotivation Podcast, hosted by America's leading emerging speaker, Jody Powell. 
If you would like to book Jody to speak at your company, conference, or next event, visit www.jodypowellspeaks.com. You can also email him at Jody, that's J-O-D-Y, at jodypowellspeaks.com. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the Quotivation Podcast. And remember, stay quotivated.